Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scotney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Welcome to this edition of Resilience Rising podcast. And I am so happy to have Ruth Coates with me today. Ruth Coates is a psychotherapist and therapeutic writing guide. She's based in the southeast corner of Scotland. I see her out on the beach in the forest and sometimes further afield on mountains. But she offers walking therapy and online and in-person therapy from her therapy hut. Therapy Hut is an old shepherd's hut that looks such a safe, cosy space and it's nestled in a forest and just looks beautiful. She also offers therapeutic writing courses, which I've been lucky enough to be on. She's been working for 12 years as a therapist with over two decades working in the mental health and social justice sectors. For those who don't already follow Ruth on social media, she also shares some of her writing on there. And I find her posts absolutely beautiful. They range from the thought-provoking, the soothing, the insightful and just to the poetic. I could have picked so many examples of her writing to inspire me today. But one that I come back to is one she wrote about the golden thread, which I'm just going to share a snippet of. I've come to know that my discomfort, my dissatisfaction has always something to teach me that there is a way to acknowledge frustration and heartache and catch hold of the golden thread within it. And of course, I find myself looking away, reaching for old habits, anything not to receive the lesson and see beyond it. Because what if there's pain in the lesson? What if there's loss in moving beyond? What if? What I know deeply is what I now return to more easily, that the golden thread can guide me through and onwards, beckoning me to learn and to grow offering me the maddening paradox that as soon as I accept myself just as I am, when I allow my feelings to exist in the world, everything changes. The golden thread asks me gently deepen my trust to resource my faith and to widen my lens on the possible. Oh, thank you, Ruth. Thank you for your writing and thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Jen. It's quite um, extraordinary to hear my words read back at me. I don't think I've had that before. I wondered <laughs> that as I picked one to, yes, to, to say out loud. I wondered if you'd had that. And obviously, when I was talking about your writing, I mean, I suppose I hear it in my voice and I hear it more as speaking <laughs> because yeah. I read it to myself. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, well, we have a lot to get through. Thank you for coming on. But I would be really, really interested to hear what your definition of resilience is. It's really uh, short and sweet, but it's, uh, yeah, it's simple in its sentence, but it's actually really complex, as I'm sure you're you're aware. But I see um, resilience as our ability to manage when difficult times come, Um, or our ability to manage when things go badly is maybe a snappier way of saying it. And crucially, it's when, when things go badly, because there's an inevitability of that being human. Um, So, yeah, that's I think it needs to be succinct because it is such a wide and ranging area. Um, But that's the kind of strap line for me. Oh, I love it. I love the simplicity. But actually, yeah, there's so much in there. Um, So how difficult or how easy was it for you to think about that definition of resilience? You know, it's probably, um, it's been brilliant thinking about this whole subject, actually, thinking of preparing to speak to you today. And I began with that, like that, you know, I, was, I wasn't kind of um, trying too hard, I suppose, or like doing lots of reading. I was just thinking, well, well what is it to me as a person, as an individual? And and actually, it's just coping in adversity. Like, it's that simple and that hard, that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but um, I think it gets thrown around quite a lot and we might not understand the nuance and the depth or we might not really get into that as much, which is maybe what we'll do today, hopefully. Um, but it, it it was my intuitive response from my lived experience, to be honest. Ah, um, so, yeah, not just from your professional experience. This is definitely something that you relate to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of affirmed by my professional experience. And that can be really, that can be fantastic to feel accompanied and also that I'm accompanying people, you know. Yeah. Is it something that in your professional work that you see as a kind of standalone subject that's something that you're addressing or working with with a client? Or does it just kind of prevail, you know, is it in everything else that you're doing? That's another aspect of it, how, how interesting it is looking at this, because yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the pillars, I think, of therapeutic process is not only working to build and develop resilience, but actually reconnecting to the resilience we already have, to the resources we already have. And I think that is, um, yeah, it's kind of the bedrock or, or one of the layers of the therapeutic process. Um, it's maybe not always what I conceive of it as. I'm not kind of with a client going, here we are working on resilience, but it's definitely one of the, the threads that, that run through and what people eventually uh come to appreciate about their own process is actually I'm this this I'm looking back at where I've come from and I'm actually feeling more resilient um maybe all of the things that I'm coping with are still there you know the grief the loss the separation those things that come up to kind of sideswipe us um but I'm feeling differently about it I'm living differently alongside them yeah, and I guess that comes back to your definition because you use the word manage. It's not about kind of overcoming, getting past always, is it? It is just that kind of living with it, sitting with it. Do you see that as part of the resilience? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a bit of a myth maybe in overcoming, in battling, um, in being, um, in making a kind of enemy out of adversity, I suppose, and actually part of coming to terms with life and its changeability, its unpredictability is kind of befriending it. If we can kind of accepting that um, there are times in life that are really painful and that change how we feel about ourselves and who we are. Um, But that we can find a way of living with them as well. Um, And that's really hopeful. I think hope is a key part of resilience. Oh, that's lovely. I haven't heard those words together. But yeah, hope is a part of resilience. Ah, So this ability to manage, like, is that something we can measure? Can we say somebody is very resilient and somebody else isn't very resilient? Like, how do we measure that? I think there are different, I think there are different kinds of resilience. And I think we are born resilient. I think there's an innate resilience because we we must, we have to be. We're born as these really vulnerable mammals. <laughs> that can't look after themselves for 18 years. <laughs> and of course we need <laughs> 18 or more. And of course we need, um, we need attachment. You know, we need good enough attachment to thrive in the world um, and, and good enough circumstances. Um, but we are born with a certain amount of tenacity and resilience. And that isn't just the physical, but it's wired into bio- our biology. Um, and so I, there's a kind of, I think, a process of relearning that, of relearning what our nervous systems are capable of and what our, um, our whole system actually is capable of and learning the skills to attune to that and to um to increase our resilience, our ability to cope. I think that's the, the again, returning to hope, that's what's really fundamentally hopeful. It's not, hope doesn't come from this kind of ethereal place. It's actually, we're capable of this base level of resilience and we can work on it, we can build it. And that's what a lot of my work is about. Um, I think I'm I think I'm answering your question. Kind yeah. Of, but. Well, it's a lovely discussion of whatever. Just listening to your words and forgotten my question, really. I mean, what sort of, just kind of taking it back a little step, like what sort of people do you work with in your day-to-day um, role as a therapist? It's really diverse, Jen. Um, people ask me that a lot and I don't necessarily specialise in any one area. Um, I... I have worked in the mental health and social justice sector for a lot longer than I've been a psychotherapist. So over two decades and um, across that time, I've worked with a lot of different people, gathered a lot of skills. And my focus is really on um, 
trauma on healing from trauma and as as you know that can that's with us all you know we've all experienced trauma of some kind um but my I'm a I'm a skilled trauma therapist so I'll bring that into a lot of my work and perhaps people are attracted to that when they see you know who I work with my stuff on social media but really I just work with a person as they arrive and um how they view themselves all the stories they bring um and that's my my approach is essentially person-centered which is that it's actually seeing the client as the expert on their life they're the person that knows themselves best they might not feel it when they arrive but they will come to know that in working with me um and that they yeah so people from all walks of life really um the people that do come to me are probably feeling really curious, I think, about curious and courageous. I think there's that um, that crossover. And I, they, again, they maybe don't realise that's how where they're at because to take the step to seek counselling or any kind of therapeutic intervention is really, it's really quite something. You're really acting already in favour of yourself. You're taking quite a resilient step. You're saying... Um, things are difficult and they need to change. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I'm I'm acting in favour of myself by making this inquiry. Um, so I, I work really openly with uh, various various different people, different presentations. And just going back to you use the word trauma, which I kind of see more and more around at the moment and in the past I think I've had quite a narrow definition of trauma it's been some very catastrophic incident accident something like that but you're saying that we all have trauma I mean what sort of things are you um, referring to there in our our own traumas I've heard it described I've heard trauma discussed as little t and big t trauma and I don't I don't like that (laughs) at all because trauma affects us all so differently based on who we are and how we've experienced the world and especially how we began in our lives as well. How, you know, the templates that we're given um, in terms of our first and foremost relationships and experiences, but trauma can be what happened to us, but also what didn't happen to Mm. us, what we didn't receive. So it can be uh, early developmental stuff, um, whether we were, um, we, you know, we might have had um, all of the material comforts in our life but actually we experienced the we didn't get enough emotional attunement as that we needed and so that can be that can be um traumatic so you have a a need fundamentally unmet right very early on or a trauma can be um working with someone very recently actually who experienced a a one-off event um as an adult and is only coming to realize the impact on her now um, and coming to um, define it for herself and own the label I suppose as trauma and that's really helping her understand and recover from it because if we can see it like that then we've got we can use different skills and resources to help her um, both accept it and use some skills to help her recover from it as well so it can be so many different things it can be relational or it can be about an event but it's something that fundamentally threatens your your safety and security in the world. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I can see that now. And I think just going back to that answer, it's kind of from a real person-centered approach that we, you know, in that sense, talking about being resilient from a single act, I can see how people can just react so differently. And it doesn't make one better than the other, does it? It doesn't mean like, okay, well, she lost her job or something happened and she just got on with it. That's great. She's resilient. Whereas somebody else that could have such a much more profound effect on. But as you say, you can't separate that from everything else in their life. Absolutely. And that, that, that perspective, that's really common, which is that comparative um, yeah, perspective is that we, we can really limit our ability to move through something or to come to terms with something because we, you know, it's not as bad as whoever. We compare it to another person's experience or trauma, which is really diminishing to our own experience um, as the unique people we are. 
Um, so by diminishing, do you mean that could be kind of that's really unhelpful? Yeah. Oh yeah, it means um, that we can't acknowledge and accept actually the truth of how we're feeling if we're constantly saying, "Well, it's not as worse, it's not as bad as her experience," so I can't actually own it, I can't claim this um, and work through it as honestly as I perhaps should. So um, that's that's often part of the work is addressing how we compare and the stories that we bring about coping and and coping and resilience you know um something I wanted to kind of get into today is about the messages and stories we bring along with us about what resilience is and to some people it's just getting on with it just ignoring those feelings pushing them back and just carrying on and really idealizing that I should just get on with it. And often that's a very parental um, story that we've carried on, you know, from our parents, especially from the older generations of, oh, we just got on with it. And this that's the best way. The only way to be is just getting on with it and actually denying your emotions, denying mm-hmm. that you have an emotional response. Whereas my conception of resilience is actually being emotionally vulnerable um, with the people you can feel safe with and, and trust. Um, so allowing yourself to to cry, to wail, to to really feel the depth of your experience, but in safety and trust with another. Yeah, I suppose it goes back to when you were talking about like as a um, infant developing and you talked about developing that attachment. And I, it made me think that sometimes we see resilience as not needing anybody else of not needing those attachments (laughs) but you're saying that as part of resilience is um is having those safe attachments and safe spaces that that's come up because i think that's a misconception and a quite unconscious one that we think that being resilient is toughing it out alone Mm. and i think that actually if we really look at uh resilient people or the skills that can spontaneously arise for people who are going through adversity, difficult times, is that actually they've been good at connecting, at sharing their experience of being vulnerable, at taking the risk to go, this is how I'm feeling, um, with a small number of well-chosen people, you know. Ah, Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that, because when it came to mind, I mean, I see, particularly on social media, I guess, a lot of sharing, (laughs) a lot of sharing vulnerabilities, of sharing trauma and things. And for me, um, yeah, could there be a chance that we can be oversharing? We can be going, stepping over boundaries or just going with the wrong wrong crowd for our sharing? Yeah, I think that's a whole... um, that's a whole conversation about vulnerability in social media, um, about the kind of, uh, I, there's a word for it, I can't quite reach it just now, but the the kind of elevating or that there's somehow kind of making it heroic to bear your soul on social media and that that somehow uh, makes you have some kind of worth or value on that yeah. platform, on those platforms. Um, but actually, I think that's really um yeah it's quite a risky thing to do because you're not actually connecting with a real person ah so not authentic connection that you were talking about all the time yeah I think that's a different um it's almost quite it can be quite performative and Mm. that I I really feel for that person who's in that space Mm. Um, yeah kind of where was I yeah Sorry, I think I interrupted with <laughs> when I was thinking about you were talking about yeah we were talking about sharing um, and having that oh, yeah. not not being on our own for this resilience. Um, yeah, I think it is collective. I think there is an ele- an element of of being collective in in our resilience, even if we are the person going through it. You know, if we've lost someone really dear to us, uh, our partner, our lifelong partner, perhaps. That grief is, you know, very particularly our own, but we can share our experience with others and receive from others. And that helps us cope and manage through those difficult times. And I think that um, we must like move towards more collective resilience in these times as well. Um, I think we've really suffered from this individualistic lens um, and to cope with these bigger, huge issues that are happening now, in our kind of social 
yeah, social unrest and the climate crisis, we need to be more collectively resilient. And I'm really at the beginnings of understanding what that is. Uh, I was going to say, how do we do that then? <laughs> but is this something that you're definitely working on, working in progress as to thinking about yeah. how that looks? Part of my next, one of my next kind of writing, where I'd love to go in my writing and what I'm kind of developing is uh, eco writing or, you know, writing together to process our feelings around um, what's happening um, ecologically with the planet and, and our relationship with nature. And that is about being collective about it, sharing our anxiety, sharing our grief so that we feel empowered to act and we can resource hope from each other. And that doesn't happen in an isolated way. Mm. Um, so to be able to express something um, as a collective, I think that's the way forward. Oh, that sounds lovely. Um, and just going back to something you mentioned, you talked about a resilient person. And I was just wondering, what does that look like? What does a resilient person look like for you? I think it's someone who can, I think it's someone who can reacquaint themselves with resilience. I don't think it's someone who, I don't think it's this continuous ability. I think we can rise and fall with it, but that we can return to it. We can remind ourselves that we have this resilient, um, yeah, these resilient resources. So it's someone who, um, can practice it um, and that might be in really kind of uh, you might not kind of think it's uh, what's happening but in in other areas of their life so maybe like wild swimming is kind of a resilience practice um, overcoming any kind of other physical obstacle can be a resilient practice um, so I think it's someone who probably practices it in ways in their life even if they're not going through something does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm just thinking of, um, yeah, me heading off to the hills for a resilient practice when I'm off while swimming. <laughs> yeah. It's a really nice thought. I hadn't really, I suppose it's it's really making me aware and there may be others that there's resilient practices that we're doing without thinking. I mean, I've talked before about kind of ultra marathons as a resilience practice. It's that kind of putting yourself under pressure, putting yourself to a point where you have to really call on resources that you weren't sure whether you had at the start line. But yeah. it's in a very safe space. It's nothing major is going to go wrong and there's no real consequences, particularly if I didn't, if I failed. Yeah. And same with yeah. kind of wild swimming. I can go, I can not get in the water and that's absolutely fine. Um, but you're saying that those those actions kind of all help with the practice of becoming resilient? I think they're so transferable. Mm. I think they are. If you think about getting into the water, right, into like cold water swimming, the moment before where I think it's quite common, definitely me, is like, I just, no, don't want to do it. This is, it's almost like the first time I ever did it, you know, I just, oh, I'd like that terror of getting in and feeling cold. And then working on my breathing, acclimatizing, feeling, feeling my toes, you know, feeling each part of my body and being in the water and reminding myself that I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, and coming out and telling myself the story again and again and again each time I do it oh I'm, I'm all right that's like kind of self-soothing um, and also feeling all of that all of the wonderful benefits of that in the moment too but kind of just honing in on what you're saying about a resilient person it, I believe it's someone who can acknowledge that to be alive is to suffer and I, that isn't I'm not saying that to be alive is just suffering and full stop that's it but that actually we we need to accept or we must accept that part of being alive is to be um, accepting that suffering will come along inevitably for all of us. Um, and to almost make space for it, not to welcome it, I suppose, but to kind of uh, make space for rather than resist it when it happens. And another connected quality, I think, is that... Um, People who are resilient or have a better at returning to resilience are um, they accept the negative, but they can attune themselves to seeing what's positive still in their life, even despite all the circumstances, despite the terrible things that have happened, that they can still appreciate the sun rising or 
um, a good plate of food, you know, those glimmers. So being able to attune to the glimmers, I think, is a really resilient quality. Yeah. And I and those examples that you've given aren't necessarily finding a positive in whatever it is that we're struggling to cope with, um, which I think I've sometimes seen as um, as being resilient is like turning it to an advantage, which really I can completely relate to with when I was made redundant and how like, although, you know, for the first hour I was absolutely panicking, but after that it became such a positive. But what I can't relate to is finding any positive in something like a bereavement. <laughs> I just, I haven't found that. So I suppose what I liked about your examples where it wasn't saying that we need to find the positives in whatever's happened, if there's something we're struggling to cope with, but it's just in life, in other areas, that there's still that joy to be found somewhere. Yeah, and that we can give that to each other. You know, just thinking there of the times where I really struggled and and people, because they want to help, are saying, oh, well, you know, see the bright side. Um, or, you know, I can think of one around birth that's told to women quite a lot if they've had a really difficult traumatic birth. And, oh, well, at least you've got a healthy baby, you know. <laughs> or, um, you yeah, know, seeing, trying to see the silver lining and everything. And that can be a really, comes from a place of kindness and support, but actually so unhelpful. Because what we need is our, and for ourselves, we need to validate the the difficulty. We need to validate the, the painful experience and also say I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. So in terms of your work, you're saying about kind of working through with clients, working through things. Like what does this look like, the work that you do? Is it a um, kind of? Well, you tell me what sort of therapy it is that you're working with. It's so different for each person, Jen. I'm so different with each person, as we all are. Hey, like, you know, we're different people with whoever we are in relationship with. Um, But I can tell you that it always starts with curiosity and that vulnerability. And I feel curious and vulnerable at the beginning of um a therapeutic relationship too you know I'm human I'm meeting another human in their vulnerability and 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 I think that's really important as a therapist to acknowledge and so that's where we meet at this really tender uncertain point and to welcome a person with all of that is really the first step I think of therapy um you know welcome just as you are exactly as you show up and if that's different week to week then fantastic you're learning to accept yourself as well um but I really just listen to people's stories and that isn't just about the story that they bring but the stories they've been told the conditions that they have um accepted um in their lives about uh, what makes them a worthy person conditions of worth is the kind of person-centered term um and the rules that they've unconsciously decided to live by. That's the kind of stories I'm listening to. And part of the process is helping people become aware of them, helping them become aware of the rules that they've, that they've decided to live their lives by. Um, And there's a good degree of challenge in my work as well, in terms of I, I, it's not, I'm not a passive participant in this at all. I, I, challenge people's perceptions and the things especially that they're saying themselves there's a lot of unearthing self-talk and and what that might be about and there's a huge challenge I come up this is always challenging it's challenging for me in my work with my therapist when I uh, work with the inner child um that's a really common um part of the work where a lot of um, the vulnerability that we bring or the kind of where we feel restricted and frustrated in life is often around um, an experience of our younger selves. And to bring them in to the therapeutic space, whether that's walking or, or writing or in person, then that's really, it it's, can be quite scary, but it's really, it can also be really reassuring and connective and it joins up some dots and we can then begin to, to have more autonomy in our lives. We can begin to um, reparent that that little person and give them what they need. Mm. 
And the therapeutic writing, I love your sessions. Um, how did that start? Oh, great question. Thank you. It's been lovely having you there when you've come along. <laughs> um, uh, it started uh, quite early on in uh, 2020, actually, around the first lockdown. And um, I had actually done a kind of creative writing course at that time as well online, the guy in Australia, and um, was just completely inspired by the things that people were sharing. It was just a forum. So you got, you got these kind of um, downloads every day for five weeks. It was pretty intense. And I was just in, inspired by how much it moved me, you know, to connect with myself uh, through writing, but also how much people were sharing in this forum as well, people from all over the world, how, how moving they found it. And there's, there's really something in this, but I have loved writing since being a kid. Like I've used it realize you know looking back retrospectively I used it for self-soothing I used it for you know introspection to figure out problem solving to figure out what's going on and also just to kind of empty as well um and I hadn't really realized that I'd been using this on and off for you know since childhood all the way up until my adult life and funnily enough I write more when things are difficult than when they're not um and and then I did English literature at university and just I just loved doing it. There was no other reason. I had no career plan. But again, looking back, it was because it was a really wonderful way of accessing empathy in the characters in these books and plays and, and analysing and really getting into someone else's story. So I just decided to weave them all together. And I've um, facilitated a lot of groups in my life and worked with relaxation and meditation skills. So it was just a moment in lockdown, I think, where things I was like, I, I could really offer something here and it was something I got really excited about and it helped me be creative at a time when I really wasn't having much of an opportunity to be creative I wasn't able suddenly my work was stalled and it all went online like I could did for a lot of us um so yeah it was something that just began as a an instinct I suppose and a gathering together of a lot of skills and it's become these monthly sessions and I do short three-week courses this is the one that's coming up on equal writing hopefully and um I do a longer more therapeutic course called writing unbound um which is 10 weeks long and much more immersive um and for so, yeah. people that haven't had the opportunity to come to one of your sessions yet they're kind of well, you'll you'll be able to, able to describe it better. But from my perspective, you give us some wonderful prompts, a set a time for us to write. And there's absolutely no um, obligation to share anything that we've written, is there? You really just, um, for your own, own benefit. It's really important to say that. And I think I need to reiterate it time and time again, because I think that's what holds people back, is that they think um, or fear that they'll need to share. But it's so important to say this is, just personal private writing and so it's a very kind of um I, I bring in quite a lot of um nervous system theory into it as well you know we need to be welcomed warmly welcomed and we need to relax a lot of the first writing prompts are about meeting yourself gradually um there's a relax a couple of relaxation exercises in a, in a typical session as well and then it's a kind of gradual deepening through the different uh, prompts that I give and some of them can be on the more creative side about letter writing and writing the story when a time that you know back in the past or can be imaginative about the future um and then we you know I'm very conscious about easing out of the session as well because it can this kind of reflective practice can be really powerful but fundamentally I think it's really inspiring and supportive and that's what I've heard from people that have come along absolutely uh, there's no it's also just having that space. I mean, it's it's quite simple in that that kind of the, how the session is. But there's no way that I would have been able to do that without you facilitating it and without making that commitment for that time just to set. Yeah. yeah so, and and I was thinking about resilience with that as well. And I think this practice of of pausing and reflecting is maybe part of the resilience picture as well. Um, it's in a pausing is in such a lot of spiritual practices. 
Um, and I don't think we pause enough in this culture. There's a lot of um, a lot of perceived perfection that we feel like we've got to constantly strive for. And I think social media is a huge factor in that. Um, but this is an opportunity. These writing sessions are an opportunity to pause with ourselves, with structure and guidance. Um, and I think that to be able to tune in and to accept how we're feeling and to really be with it is part of the resilience picture. Um, so it's been helpful thinking of that coming to talk to you today and thinking actually it's in the writing as well, mm. like practicing of resilience. Yes, and also giving time, like not pausing, but also you talked about how we kind of have that innate resilience, and I've loved the um, the way that you've described it as kind of refining that resilience in us and that pause mm-hmm. and that reflection on on what we've already got through kind of gives me confidence that I am resilient, even if you, you know, I don't always feel it. I think it's the single most therapeutic thing that people can take away from any kind of, well, from, from, especially I think from a person-centered approach, but I'm, I'm, I'm positive it's in others as well, is that people realize that they've actually got such a lot of skill and resource themselves and it's such a wonderful moment when they realize that and that that it's such a, a powerful moment of being able to um, have some um, autonomy, some efficacy over their lives, even when it's all gone upside down, that they can um, feel like they can do small things nicely, as one of my clients said to me a few weeks ago, um, to enable to affect their inner environment, their internal landscape, even if it's all chaos outside and I think that's such a powerful thing such a grounding thing to be able to know and such a massive part of resilience isn't it that kind of having that strength in you even if I'm feeling in control I was just wondering if I could ask you about your own personal resilience like you talked about the clients that you work with like how how do you stay grounded how do you stay okay when you're working with that level of, um, yeah, just th- those clients that you talked about and the trauma that they have? Yeah, great question. I and, and one that I think I have to keep returning to, like I don't have it completely figured out. It's in flux quite a lot of the time what I do, but there are pillars to it. And one professionally is supervision. So I take um, my work to a supervisor and just, you know, bash it out with him. Um, and that can, that that is almost my own practice in resilience because that can be, that is my vulnerable space uh, where I take a lot of my own stuff and and, and look at how it, how it intersects with what's going on in the, the client space, the therapeutic space. And so there's that, that's like one of my pillars. And another one is I see my own therapist regularly as well. And I think that's so important to be in the client seat too. Um, and that that's just such a core support for me. Um, um, I've just recently been through a time when I've had to call on my resilience actually around a, a health issue. And actually what um, this is what I mean about kind of remembering about resilience because we can forget when times are kind of smooth. Um, and for me, it's been a, a combination of breathing, uh, time alone, really looking after my nutrition um, and getting exercise. And these things will be different for everyone. But for me, those are my, my fundamentals. Um, and if I can manage those, then I can keep like a baseline of, of coping, of managing and you mentioned about the exercise like I I didn't mention in the introduction your animal flow and the movement that you um share and seem to um it'd be a big part of your life I mean where does that fit in is it just fun or do you get more out of it than that oh yeah loads more but it is fun I think I think like we can we can practice resilience and have fun (laughs) You know, like you'll know that. <laughs> Resilience is fun. <laughs> um, it's just, I just love it. It's, it's. Um, I'm, I'm yet to be a fully qualified instructor, but it's happening, Jen, in the next couple of months. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, 
so I've been practicing it for a couple of years and it's just really like it's if anyone's listening and they want to look at it just look at animalflow.com it's just like the most wonderful practice and it's very it's based on um like lots of different disciplines but partly it's break dancing like that's one of the disciplines I, I do not look like a break dancer doing it but I think <laughs> is in there and some kind of martial arts and stuff but the guy who created it um has created his very own unique kind of movement and it's just um yeah it's just a flow movement and it can be it's all it's on using your kind of um it's called quadrupedal so it's very using all four limbs um so it's very grounding and it's very resourcing. I suppose you can feel your own strength building with it. And it's just very flowy. Um, but thinking about movement and exercise, for me, the three core is like it's running and it's animal flow and it's weightlifting. And they all speak to me about my own resilience. <laughs> you know, it's that feedback about yeah. what we're capable of, even if, even if things aren't good. Or if it um, gets hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 And even I can feel that, you know, physical movement could even be feeling my own breath, you know, um, that attunement to, to the body and the physical. Uh, that can be a really nice resilience practice as well. I just going back to some of the earlier conversations, like in terms of I think you did mention there were different types of resilience. And one thing that kind of interests me is the ways in which we're called to show resilience. And it could be, like we've mentioned, one single acute um, event, bereavement or something like that, where we are working through that. But I've also felt in my own life, kind of having had years of chronic illness, that kind of never-ending call for resilience. It's not about moving past for me it was just kind of day to day constantly I mean do you see those different um, types of events and different types of resilience that were called on or, or is it all just resilience but just for different days I think it's um, going back to that is it overcoming or is it living with you know, I think, yes, absolutely. There are um, circumstances that people live through for years, if not lifetimes, when we're talking about poverty, perhaps, where um, there is a level of resilience required to cope with that. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's, there's one, there's the kind of innate resilience that we're born with, and then there's the learned resilience Actually, there's another one called adaptive resilience as well, where that is the one where something happens to us and we need to adapt. We need to um, respond and adapt. And then there's the learned resilience. And I think that's what I work with mostly in, in counselling is a, a working in the here and now. So partly it's like, what's what are the resources that we have learned from our lives so far? But I'm working in the kind of, here and now of active resilience with clients because um they're coming to me because they're in crisis not not it's not often like everything's falling apart but there's something not okay in their lives there's something that they're um struggling with and so in a way they're kind of already in this um developing resilience so they're learning it as we go does that make sense yeah, although that kind of, what's your definition for the learned resilience? What does that encompass? So that's that's the one that feels more active, like it's in the moment. So it's um, about looking back and looking at all of the things we've been through, what are the resources that I can call on now? And what am I still learning about life and myself? Um, what's new? So it's almost like what's old and I can call back on about what life has taught me all this way so far and what's what's coming up that's fresh and new and what can I learn here this very present moment very present uh, process that's what my you know there are resilience experts out there will probably frame it differently but that's my that's my take on it no and it's really valuable to hear and I love hearing everybody's um mm -hmm. take on resilience um and in terms of kind of your work like you say people may be close or coming to you in crisis um is there a benefit or are the things that we can work on when things are a bit better and we're kind of 
coasting a little bit maybe do are we ever coasting I don't know (laughs) yeah but when things are, are good is this when we can maybe be a bit more curious about those resilient practices that we talked about that were kind of a little bit more fun and um yeah absolutely yeah I really do think that that's an opportunity for us to practice in all those different ways and you know trying something new is is fantastic as well trying like a new just anything just putting yourself out there trying something new ah So that again, that's about kind of moving into like your edges. You've been mm. feeling a bit vulnerable, but also maybe a bit excited. I think that is about practicing. Um, well, it's about growth and development, isn't it? And that is about resilience. But there's something there for me about, again, reminding me of the therapeutic process where there is inevitably a point where a client will go, oh, I'm actually feeling okay. Like uh, I've got nothing to talk about this week. And that for some may be, so I don't need to come anymore or that's it, I'm done, I'm fixed. (laughs) Well, actually, that's a real opportunity for us to go, okay, so what's life like now? Like This is still important for us to talk about when life is good and smooth and and for us to look at um, the differences and how we can bring who we are now to who we are when things aren't so good. So that's really usually a really important moment or session or number of sessions and you stay with feeling good. Mm. Yeah, and I definitely have been of the right, see you later, I'm fixed <laughs> for the next however many months or whatever it was. <laughs> and can I just ask you kind of personally as a parent, um, like are you actively working with your you've got two children you do actively work with them with resilience or um yeah is that something that you've thought about before um not up until recently actually <laughs> um but I think naturally yes um and it's always a bit of a fine line I think with parenting about whether you're doing the right thing or not kind of encouraging versus pushing um or um perhaps sometimes feeling like being too protective where we might have just been able to foster one of their independence a bit more it's always that holding on and letting go with parenting I think and knowing where the line is can be really hard and and emotional painful you know it can really touch on some soft places but yeah I think that's probably what I am doing and we are doing um it's probably more our focus is probably more on physical resilience I guess you know my husband owns a gym and that's probably more and my the age of my kids it's probably more where they're at just now um but I guess oh sorry I was gonna say that going back to kind of accepting that life is suffering I mean that must be hard to Oh, yeah. For children to to give them that acceptance, I'm sure I'm not a parent myself, but I can just imagine that my my instinct is just to take them away from any sort of suffering that I possibly can. And I think um, COVID and and the lockdowns really was a lesson in that was like shit happens, and we adapt. We need to adapt. There's no other way. We have to move with this and adapt and be with the loss of that or you know my son um was separated from his friends in a class change last year and um we could have and we did probably moments ago isn't he resilient he's not he's not bothered about this he's adapted really well we moved maybe too quickly to celebrate his strength or actually a few months later he was really upset He, he was experiencing the loss of those friendships and that time with his friends and the belonging um, and I can see now that we were probably moving towards celebrating strength, well done, rather than going, the resilience is actually in feeling it all. Mm. Um, and that's um, yeah. definitely something that we'll take away from today, from our conversation, um, that kind of, yeah, feeling it all. <laughs> yeah. And do you think, would you say that you're a resilient person? Yeah. Once someone once said to me that um <laughs> I was quite offended when she said it. 
actually, it's someone we have in common, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. (laughs) She said that her mum, something had happened, had been through something, it was a relationship breakdown. And um, she said, oh, Ruth always um, falls in, falls in crap or something and comes up smelling of roses and at the time I thought oh that just really diminishes actually how difficult this is um or how much striving there is underneath the surface how much struggle and uh, yeah discomfort and actually I can now see it as a bit of a compliment and actually I yeah I, I do think I'm a resilient person I think that I've come from a family who've been through a lot who've experienced a lot of loss and uh, you know, material loss and emotional loss. And I can see that that's really set me up um, in this work and uh, to be able to live alongside difficult times as well. And not in no way saying that is easy. You know, it's it's not an easy way to live, but it, I think there's more access to aliveness and joy, even when things are difficult. Yeah. Mm. And tell us just a little bit about your future work. You've also you've already mentioned about this kind of eco writing. Um, what other projects do you have coming up where we can follow you? Um, yeah, the eco writer really wants to move more into that. Um, so there's well, hopefully my animal flow will come off, and I'll start instructing that just for pure joy. Um, um, so I have my therapy account on Instagram and Ruth Coates Therapy is there as well. Um, and I just would like to collaborate more with people. I think now that there's more freedom, you know, we can move about when we can travel. I'd like to um, collaborate with other um, like-minded folk out there in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's more of that on the horizon. And if people want to join you on your uh, therapeutic writing courses, where's the best place to find the information for those? Yeah, that would be Ruth Coates Therapy on um, Instagram or Ruth Coates uh, Counselling on Facebook. I really should sort out that so they have the same name. Um, (laughs) I'd never noticed that before. but (laughs) Yeah, I post all of my courses on there and actually... Um, by the time this goes out, I'll have a shiny new website. I've um, finally invested in someone helping me with my website rather than me trying to <laughs> trying to do everything, <laughs> yeah, overcoming it all. Um, so um, it will all be there in a really accessible format. Thank you so much for your time, Ruth. And um, yeah, thank you also for all sharing your wisdom and your words on social media as well, because they're absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the appreciation. And also just... <laughs> been able to talk to you today it's been wonderful talking about this with you yeah thank you so much thank you for listening to the resilience rising podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please do help people find us by hitting subscribe leaving a review or sharing us with others thank you so much and see you next time on the resilience rising podcast